This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello, and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 71 of the SuperAge podcast. This will be dropping on February the 23rd, 2022. So we have a few pieces of news this week. Um, the first is, as I've been mentioning in some of the channels, I've been experimenting with veganism. And the result of which was uh, just after like a couple of weeks, I got fat, dumb, and depressed. <laughs> it was really, really hard. Um, so I've, I've, I've sort of backed off of that. And so now I'm more like 90% vegan. And much to my comfort, one of our readers wrote in and told me a story about the Dalai Lama. And apparently, if I understand this correctly, when the Dalai Lama was leaving Tibet to Nepal with all the Tibetan refugees, they all decided as a group, we're going to become vegetarians. So he tried this for a couple of months, and then his health just declined. And he, you know, similar to me, didn't work out so well. And he went to his doctor and he said, listen, you know, I'm compassionate to all living things. I would like to be continue being a vegan vegetarian. And the doctor said, well, what was your diet beforehand in Tibet? And he said, well, you know, we would eat a little bit of yak meat and some other stuff. And he said, well, you need to go back to that. And so the Dalai Lama decided that he would be better serving humanity um, if his brain was working at full capacity and he was healthy rather than doing this other thing. So um, didn't work out for the Dalai Lama. Um, doesn't work out so well for me, but I'm, I'm still mostly on the vegan side um, with like little bits of fish and meat here and there. So we're going to try that, um, and we're going to be doing some follow-up testing on my blood work with Inside Tracker uh, in a couple of weeks to see what happens there. In other news, we're trying this really fun thing, so bear with us on this. We are setting up a phone number, so you can call in and ask us questions or ask us questions maybe we can't answer, but maybe we know an expert who can, or you want to tell us a story, or you just want to tell us about yourself or how you feel about the podcast or whatever. So it's a, it's a phone number. Um, it's 801-871-5291. We'll put it in the show notes so you can see. I'm going to repeat it. 801-871-8291. It's a Google phone. And you can call up and leave a message. And, you know, don't go crazy. No, like, you know, 30-minute diatribes. Keep it to a couple minutes. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your voices along with our voices. So we're going to check that out. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to hear more from you guys. So that's why we did this. So lastly, I wanted to tell all the people who don't know is that we actually have a website, um, uh, ages.com. And along with that, we have this amazing newsletter that comes out every Thursday. And I know some of you already get it, but we have a number of new listeners who may not even know about this. So we would love for you to go and sign up for our newsletter. It's really the first thing that we started when we started with Aegist, gosh, almost seven years ago. It was just this really primitive newsletter. We've evolved a lot. Um, we have what we think is really an amazing newsletter. And we would love for you all to sign up for it. Um, 
And then you get to read about the whole 360 ecosystem around Aegis and how to super age, the profiles, the health tips, the fashion tips that we talk about travel. It's really great. So if you get a chance, sign up for that. Today on the show, we're going to talk about ketamine. The reason we're going to talk about ketamine is because a number of you have been writing in to me, um, asking about ketamine, telling me stories about how ketamine has changed your life. And, you know, I, I have to say, I've always been a little iffy on the whole plant medicine, psychedelics, you know, what can I say? I'm 63. I did a little bit of that when I was in college and I was like, oh, I don't know, we need to do that again. But I've had a change of mind on this. Um, and I, I, what I wanted to do was to bring on a medical professional who has a ketamine clinic and have her explain to us what this is about and what it does. So we have Dr. Rachel Allen on the show and she's going to tell us about how this all works. And I spoke to her in a pre-interview a couple weeks ago, and I was really impressed at this. And my thinking about ketamine and not it's so much recreational use, but it's medicinal use and it's um, positive impact for depression, PTSD, suicide, and even just helping us to get to know ourselves better. I've, I've had a change of heart on that. So without further ado, we're going to give Dr. Rachel Allen a call, and she's going to tell us about ketamine. Dr. Rachel Allen, how are you today? I'm excellent, David. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about the, this area of expertise that you have. Tell, tell me a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So I am an anesthesiologist by training, um, but I'm also double board certifying in anesthesiology and chronic pain. So I kind of do a dual a dual uh, degree there. So I deal with everybody from putting you off to sleep and deal with the whole consciousness every day to dealing with pain and all of the mood and all of that that comes with that as well. And I also um, co-own a ketamine clinic um, that my husband and I started as a little passion project down here in St. George, Utah. And that was, uh, it's been such a beautiful experience to really see and begin to heal our community. Tell me, how do you get from anesthesiologist to ketamine clinic? That seems like a bit of a leap to me. It's <laughs> a so good question. It's, it's actually not that big of a leap because well, we are uniquely situated as anesthesiologists to understand ketamine. We're actually one of the few physicians who deal with that medication ketamine day in and day out. And why? It's because we use it for an anesthetic. So both to help people go to sleep or a portion of that anesthesia, as well as we use it for pain. And I use this not only in anesthesia for pain, we call it an adjunct, meaning Usually we'll use those Tylenols and ibuprofens, but when pain starts to get severe, we want to hit different receptors. I kind of call it like a good cookie recipe. You don't want all flour, all sugar. You need that dash of salt, that little baking powder. And ketamine is one of those medications we actually use for pain that helps us give that better pain control because it hits very specific receptors, um, specifically this NMDA. So as anesthesiologists, we have been in this field of using ketamine for decades. And interestingly enough, 
um, where I did my residency up at the University of Utah, they had been doing research um, while I was a resident there on the use of ketamine for depression um, in our neuroscience departments. And so it was kind of always off in the periphery of what I kind of knew, like, oh, huh, we use this every day, all day, but there's other maybe modalities of using this. So that was kind of my first spark into knowing, well, somebody else is using a drug I use. Um, and then as that kind of progressed, when we were, when we moved down to, we as in my husband, I moved down to St. George, people started kind of coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, what do you know about ketamine? I've been dealing with really bad depression. Can you give me ketamine? And that became a, a, a question of, uh, no, I can't just hand out ketamine. That's a very interesting question, but um, tell me more why you're asking that question. Um, so to get back to your question, yeah, as anesthesiologists, we understand the pathophysiology, the pharmacology of ketamine so well um, that we're uniquely situated to be really good practitioners. And we deal with these altered states of consciousness, which ketamine gives you very well. Um, so what was your first, who was like your first person that came to you and you decided to, what's the word is you, like, I use the word dosing and that's probably like maybe a little too street lingo, but whatever you, you ketamine them. Um, yes. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So our first, our first patient is a lovely woman and she, she is, she has come so far and she's always given us the AOK to give her her story. Cause it's so, well, quite honestly, beyond magical, it was life changing. So we started off really small in the back office of my brother-in-law's real estate office. Actually, here we are, we have full-time anesthesia jobs. This is like a side thing. We get all of our licensing, make sure everything's kosher, make sure everything's you know on the books, but we don't really have a space. And so my brother-in-law's like, hey, just use that back room. So she meets us back there. And later on, we find out she's thinking, oh, my God, these people are going to kill me. Like I'm meeting at the random <laughs> back room of someplace. And then she, the ketamine starts, you know, as you say, we ketamined her. We start an IV. We start giving her the ketamine. And she has this out-of-body experience. Now to give you some background, this is the same young woman who had packed up her car, packed up her belongings, and she had a few boxes in her car. And that was all she had because when she was going to kill herself, she didn't want anything to be messy or left for anybody to have to deal with. So this was really her last ditch effort. Um, so she kind of figured, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. So, you know, let's at least well give this, <laughs> give this a try. So here she is sitting in this back room and at some point not sitting in that back room because she has completely dissociated, you know, from her body at that point. And she walked in depressed and she came out with an experience in which only she can do justice to what she experienced, but the feelings of utter doom and desire to no longer live were gone. What happened? So we often describe this as a very, an experience that can be, if you look at the literature, people often say, these will be some of our top 10 experiences in life up there with like the birth of a child. And why? Well, 
let's go back to kind of the physiology. You know, why is, why do we think this is happening? What's kind of going on? So ketamine is actually a drug that's been around for 60, 70 years and, um, or longer now. And it is a psychedelic medication. It works specifically on receptors called NMDA, N-methyl-D-aspartate receptors. And it antagonizes or blocks at that receptor. So it leads to downstream effects of these neurochemicals being changed. So what we kind of think is happening and kind of her experience too is best described by almost like a snow globe effect. And that is where I always like to say the neurons that fire together, wire together. So if we have trauma, if we have depression, if we have anxiety, those things that bring up those things. So for instance, a veteran who hears um, the backfiring of a car, he immediately hits the ground because he thinks, oh my gosh, gunshot, boom. So those neurons have wired together and fired together. Well, what if we could rewire that? And that's where kind of ketamine is coming in. Almost this superheating of the brain to increase all the neuronal activity, the reconnection of the brain um, in this standpoint, or shaking up the snow globe. So as we shake up that snow globe, we can relay those that snow back down. So it's a fresh snow. And so instead of having those deep-seated tracks in the snow, you have a fresh layer for the first time. So as she's sitting back there, she's getting this snow globe effect. Um, if you look, she look at studies into uh, psilocybin, they've actually stuck people in functional MRIs and said, what is going on with the brain? And you can see the brain light up in like all areas, which means there's crosstalk between all areas of the brain for the one of the first time. And so here she's sitting back there and I don't have an MRI on her, but I can only imagine as she's sitting back there, she is experiencing this snow globe effect of expansion, snow globe effect within her brain, cross-talking of her brain. And that also helps break down these ruminatory ideas and concepts that we're giving ourselves. For instance, I am my depression. I am my depression versus, oh. I'm me, and I happen to feel depressed. It's such a slight difference, but can lead to a way different road. So here she is having these experiences, um, almost ineffable, as I like to say, you know, like I can't even put it into words um, as she's sitting there and coming out. And, and we know through the literature, even as little as one treatment can break a lot of those neuronal pathways that lead to those deep-seated ruminations. So what sort of um, people who come to you who are symptomatic of something, um, like what sort of people who, and, and we're going to break this into sort of two classes of people, people who are symptomatic of something and people who are less. Um, so those first group, um, so you mentioned depression, you said PTSD. What, what else are you seeing there that, that's working? That's a great question. So I would say there's usually three major things that we'll treat with the use of ketamine. Um, one, treatment-resistant depression, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, and then anxiety. I would say based on literature and also my own experience with my patients, PTSD and depression are, I would say, the most responsive to ketamine. Not to say anxiety isn't, 
because often anxiety and trauma and depression goes so hand in hand all together. As you treat one, it often helps treat the other as well. You can't really disentangle those. So those three are the major, the major um, kind of symptoms or major diagnoses that we treat with ketamine. And how are you doing this? Do you do you have a protocol? Do you just I'm I'm gathering the the back room of the real estate office is gone and yes. something more legit now. <laughs> Yes, we've um, we've organically grown and um, outgrown, thankfully, that back office. So we're not scaring so anyone dodgy. away. <laughs> it's so dodgy. It was, you know, you come out of medical school, you come out of residency, you have like not even two pennies to rub together. And then, you, you know, we have two kids and a dog and you're trying to make ends meet and you're like, but you just want to help people. So you'll take wherever you can. <laughs> so thankfully, no, now we actually have a beautiful office. Um, as we've kind of gone in this, this mental health journey with our patients, we've realized, and you'll hear this a lot in the psychedelic worlds of medicine, that set and setting, mindset and setting, where you're at, there's space around you, and the mindset you come into the experience is so, so important. So our space we have now created is no dodgy place. It's actually a beautiful um beautiful place. We'd like to bring nature within. So lots of plants. We have a little Zen den that people can sit and meditate and be in that calm space prior to going into this very, um, and sometimes very intense experience as well. So our protocols really start from, in the very beginning, one usually the willingness of a patient to be there. And most of the time, patients are very willing. That's They usually come to our doorstep because they've tried all other modalities. Most people either are referred to us by our local um, psychiatry teams or um, other mental health providers and therapists, or they'll just walk in because they are hearing more and more about psychedelic medicine and say, I want this treatment. I have tried everything under the books. Um, or I don't want to be on something forever. I want something that's really going to help me transition those neuronal pathways. So they'll come in. We give a consultation to everybody because not everything's for everyone. We got to make sure this is safe. So everybody gets a consultation. You get to meet with ourselves, our, our nurse practitioners, our physician assistants to say, hey, this is what this is. Let's also talk about what you're here for, why you're here. Um, have you tried any other psychedelics? What medications are you on? Are there any contraindications? So for instance, if you have a brain bleed or you have high pressure in your brain, this is probably not the right thing for you. Um, but if you don't and you have these other things, then this could be an excellent, an excellent thing. So we do this consultation. We walk them through what to expect. So this is already getting the mindset and they're seeing their setting as they're coming in. So you're starting to pair these two together, making sure they're also a really good candidate. Then they'll come in for their actual treatment. We generally do this through IV. So you can do this multiple different ways and you'll, you'll read in the literature. There'll be everything from oral doses, what we call like trochies or lozenges. And we actually do pair that. We um, have some of our patients, we have an in-house therapist now. So we have some of our patients who have done this multiple times. And they want to go deeper with some of their, their depression or trauma or therapy. So they will actually take ketamine lozenges with our in-house therapist, and they will work through some of that trauma and depression with her. So there's the oral portion. Most of our stuff is IV. And the reason we choose IV is a couple of reasons. One, it's fast on and it's fast off. You can control that. 
really, really well. Once you start that infusion, you usually start to see its effects within 10, 15 minutes. And people will start to kind of come up and they'll have, it starts off, most people tell me very geometric, you know, this very geometric-y, um, some of my patients who have dabbled in other psychedelics, they'll say, ooh, this is very DMT-like, which is another um, kind of, med- I should say, molecule that we actually create within our own bodies, but it can also be used outside as well. Very geometric. And then from there, everyone has their own journey. As that kind of peaks around that 40, 30 to 45 minute mark, they'll kind of peak and then they'll start to come down in 15 minutes. So that infusion is like lasting about 30 to 45 minutes. And as they are there, one of the things that I'm, our protocols and we're very passionate about, I'm very passionate about is that no patient sits alone. There are just boatloads of ketamine clinics and psychedelic clinics popping up all over and a lot of them don't sit with their patients. They give them the medication and have fun with that trip. And we feel very, very strongly that that is not, that's, that's such not a bad helping. idea. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's scary to think of. Um, and it's, it's actually really beautiful as a provider too, quite honestly. Um, I cannot tell you many people that tell me I was not here like in earth, by the way, like during my treatment. Um, but I just want to let you know, you were with me and, you know, while I'm there, I mean, I have blood pressure monitors, oxygen monitors on them. I am watching them. I'm watching their eyes, their expressions, their, their heart rate and all of these different things. And I can tell as people are transitioning into maybe more difficult things or not, I always ask my patients to, you know, as you transition here, is it okay if I like hold your hand. If I see you kind of struggling, you know, I always want to make sure they are okay with that. And I have yet to get a no. And it's great because as people go through that, they're like, you were with me. Like you held my hand right when I needed to. And, um, it's a very, I feel so honored it's to be on this, in this really deep, intense journey with people, because, um, to give you an example, I had, uh, a young woman who was, um, has some pretty significant sexual trauma and was here. This was her third or fourth infusion. And little by little was kind of saying, you know, her depressive symptoms were improving. Her trauma was improving. And she gets this moment as she's coming down where she just begins to cry. And she says to me, oh my God, I was never broken. I was never missing a piece. That was always within me. Mm. And here I'm like starting to cry now too, because you see this beautiful soul, this human soul or being who has realized that, you know, she still had something very intimately taken from her with her, with her sexual abuse. But she also regained the realization that she, she is whole. She is herself. She is purely, purely perfect in who she is and never really lost that, which a lot of survivors will say, I feel like I lost a part of myself. So, you know, that protocol of sitting with people and walking them through that, you know, you play co-fellow human being walking along this thing called life. You play therapist, not play, you be therapist, you be physician, you be anesthesiologist, chemist, um, 
it is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful process. You have to wear a lot of hats and more importantly, have a really open heart to like absorb and hold that space for people. Um, going back to protocols too, most people go through about six of these. We recommend about six of these for depression. It starts off with two that first week, kind of wait a week, do another one, wait two weeks, do another one, wait three weeks, do another one, wait four weeks, do another one. And we separated it out that way so that people have time to really integrate what they're going through and the information that's kind of coming to them. And so those are, uh, I guess, the class of people we would call symptomatic. Um, and then there are other people who don't have any obvious problem. I guess I, I first I want to ask you, is this FDA approved? Like, can you do this, what you're doing? <laughs> That's a great question. Yes, this is legal. This is legal. Okay. Um, <laughs> so ketamine is, is legal to use. It's a legal psychedelic to use for the use of depression um, and trauma. Now, insurance companies paying for it is a different issue. Um, that is where we have often run into um, biggest things, but I think that is coming. I think within the next decade or so, we're going to actually see a lot more of that covered because it's getting in has such great um, effects, but it's legal. Now, if you talk about other psychedelic medications, things like psilocybin, um, that is not legalized yet. There are certain places like Oregon that it's decriminalized, you know, so you're not going to go to jail if you use, but that is not the case for all places. But ketamine is. So what happens if someone like myself and um, someone would, depending on who you talk to, would call me symptomatic or not, um, will assume that I'm not. <laughs> In my own mind, I'm not. Yes. <laughs> so I come and I knock on your door and I say, well, this sounds kind of interesting. I, I would like to become a better version of myself. You, do you treat people like that? We, we do. And I think the biggest thing that we kind of go through in that regard is I like to see one person that doesn't have one anxiety or one depressive thought too. So it is one of those things where you're like, yes, that's that self-exploration. I want to find who I am, what I am, where do I fit in this world? Um, and just expand, mind expand who you are and, you know, where you are. So yes, we get those people. And one of the really cool things that we've done is we have paired our ketamine sessions, um, with our local float tank. So this is an isolation float tank. It's called true North float here in St. George. And it is a really cool float tank in where, in which, we have people go and float for an hour and a half or two hours before. And what that means is this isn't like one of those float tank pods where you, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I don't like being shoved in a water tank and have something closed over me. That would, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, these are like, I always call them like Grecian baths. They're beautiful. They're big, they're open. And it's full of all of this salt. So you literally float like you're on the Dead Sea and yet it is quiet and it is like soundproof and all you hear and all you have the ability to hear is yourself. And having that place where people, where you are able to just be with yourself, it is amazing to see the rat race that goes on in your head, um, the hamster wheel that is, is there. Having people go through that first, have that 
mindset begin to balance that parasympathetic and that sympathetic systems? Because let's be honest, we're driving in from work. Ah, I got to get to my appointment. got to get my ketamine because I feel really depressed about life. Or I just have, you know, a lot of stuff on my mind. Not the best mindset to come into a ketamine treatment. <laughs> so when we get into that float tank, you have 90 minutes to 120 minutes to just let that begin to rebalance that sympathetic system come down, the parasympathetic system come up. Sympathetics being that fight or flight, parasympathetics being that rest and digest. And it's all a balance. So as you do that, after you're done with that, you're in that better mindset space. We actually come to the float tank. We have a room there. That's a very Zen room that we say, all right, here we go. Start that IV and give people that actual ketamine treatment. And oh, those are I have so many favorite patients, but some of those are my favorite patients because the places they go, actually, honestly, the traumas that come up that they didn't even realize because they were in such a good space um, is, is, is really beautiful in the healing that occurs and just where they are in this world. So yeah, anyone. So describe to me the AB. Um, somebody reasonably normal comes in, they do the float tank, um, you give them a ketamine treatment. What, what are they like afterwards? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, re, you know, like in college, like you know, it was. We, yes, I've done taken psychedelics, <laughs> but not in this sort of setting. So, right. what happens to people? So, people generally start off. I would say they come in a little bit, if I could say anything, they always generally a little anxious to begin with, sure. because let's be honest. You're going to mess little... with my brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. And I can feel that, you know what I mean? I can see that on their face. I yeah. can see it on their EKG, their heart rate spikes. And I'm like, I take it. You're not usually this high. Their blood pressure is a little high. And then as I start the medication, um, you can slowly start to see that begin to ease off as that medication starts to hit. And as people realize, oh, the IV's in, like all of that's better, you can start to see the tension kind of melt away. And then as they start getting in there, I think I most often hear, ah, oh, whoa, this is beautiful. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and I, this, they're still at the point where they can talk. So I can often, I'll ask them like, what are you seeing? They're like, colors, like colors are just vibrant. Um, I will, I always, almost always pair music with our ketamine treatments. And I, and I really feel strongly about that too, because music is something that we have been using for millennia and it speaks to our souls and I can pull people in and out of things with just a song. And it seems so crazy to say when I say it, but I think we all know that when you're down and you play your favorite song and next thing you know, you are dancing and moving and you feel so much better or man, you're feeling down and you just need that song to just dig into how deep you're feeling it really helps pull that emotion. So they say, they can, some people say, oh, I can feel the music or I am there with the music. Um, and then as they begin to go deeper, depending on how much, and we usually base this on weight. So how many milligrams per kilograms of what they weigh, and then also what their experiences are and kind of what experience they need as well. Um, are you acutely suicidal? I'm going to do probably a higher dose. If you're self-exploratory and have um, 
been down in South America and used ayahuasca and partied, you know, in the sixties and done ketamine and all sorts of other things, you're probably not naive. So I can give you a little bit more versus people who haven't touched a glass of alcohol, which is very common here in Utah. So this is where the art of, of, um, ketamine is also there. And once people get to that point, um, a lot of them will very go very internal because this is, this is an, uh, an experience that you have that nobody else is having. And so most people aren't talking at this point, or if they are, it is things like, whoa, or cool. And then you'll sometimes have the hard ones where people are like, I feel lost. Or they'll talk to me about all I see is black. Or um, some people will tell me I'm scared. And those actually are some of my most favorite experiences to take people through. Because um, when they get to those points, you actually can get some of the biggest breakthroughs. Um, I can think of one one, um, of my patients as well who was really, really anxious. And he's like, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. And his eyes are closed. So, you know what I mean? He's, he's in a different world at this point. And I said, well, what are you afraid of? And he was one of the few that could actually talk to me as this is going on. And he's like, I'm afraid I'm going to dissolve into the black. And so this is where I felt, you know, when you get your knowledge and you develop your rapport with your patient, you know, where you can push and pull them. And I looked at him and said, so dissolve, just dissolve. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then there was this pause and I just waited and just waited and waited some more. And then I'm like, are you dissolved? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, how is it? He's like, it's amazing. <laughs> and there was this like such a release, you know, cause we have so much fear over things that we don't know and just and holding on to whatever it is. And then as the, as that release, whatever it is internally, neurologically, it just lends towards so much, well, release. It's like a breath for, for a change. And so people have these, these experiences. And then as they start to come down, as that infusion stops and it starts to wear off, that's when they start to communicate more with me. I had this experience. This is what I'm seeing. Oh my goodness, that music. I can feel that song. Or I, I was the color blue. <laughs> or I, um, I do this for some teenagers who are acutely depressed too. Um, that was one of my fields in, in chronic pain too is treating adolescent pain. And these, these adolescents are, are so cool. Um, one of my young girls is like, ah, oh, I found my pink room. I'm like, what does that mean? And she's like, it's my love room, my room where I go, where I know, like, I love me. And so it's these like different areas of the brain that people are accessing and experiencing that perhaps we're shut off once. So we just didn't crosstalk. And that's that snow globe effect. That's that crosstalk that we're slowly starting to understand of, of what it is. I've heard the term ego death used around this. Yeah. What, uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. So it, when we hear that word ego death, we all think ego. Okay. The, id, the ego, um, this portion of us, that is for us, that wants us to survive, that wants to protect us. 
And I don't know about you, but I, I know like at least when I went through med school or grew up, I always thought of ego as something I had to kind of be against um, and maybe fight against versus, you know, as I've, as I've transitioned into understanding more, realizing, ah, no, this is just a part of us. So ego, I think, is this portion of us that uh, really is not allowing our true self, our true colors to shine, the portion of us that's holding ourselves back sometimes from the pain, from the suffering and not wanting to be necessarily vulnerable. And when you have a psychedelic experience, your vulnerability and getting to vulnerability isn't an option. (laughs) You are stripped of anything that is a barrier there. So this idea of ego death, this place of where you are laid bare There is no protection from this ego or this, I am I, like I am who this is and I'm going to protect me. That is, I cannot tell you how often that's dissolved. It is, I am the universe and the universe is me. As often I hear that a lot. This place where the dissolving of perhaps what we think are boundaries, um, where we are in the world um, and who we are and how we relate to that kind of dissolves. And how, what does that mean neurologically? I think we're still trying to figure out. We do know that there's something called the default mode network. Basically, if you think frontal lobe, that decision-making capacity, take that offline, all of those ideas of like, well, Rachel, you shouldn't do this. Well, Rachel, did you think that that possibly could be the case? Hey, Rachel, did you know that when you took that tone, that sounded really mean, or that sounded really, you know, like you were laughing or whatever it was. What if you just took that away and you're left with, well, I feel scared or I feel happy or I just am. That's the ego death. So what's the lasting effect on people who've had an ego death experience? Mm, That's a really good question. It varies. Um, I have seen the lasting effect For people who have severe depression, when they see that, they get re like they almost re get reacquainted with themselves for for a change, and their depression symptoms greatly improve to the point where some some of our patients are off medications. Is that normal that most people are off medications? No. Do we have some that are? Yes. And other people, I would say, it gives them. One of the, as we kind of talked about before, one of these top most meaningful experiences in their life. Mm. So I would say that's probably whether you have depression, anxiety, trauma, or self-exploration, it is one of the top most meaningful experiences that they will have. Let's. I, I want to shift gears a little bit here and and talk about a couple of things that I've heard from people. And uh, the one is, um, I was spoke to a woman earlier this week who had cancer and mm-hmm. had gone through sort of the normal cancer therapy treatments and then done a whole range of other things, um, light therapy, uh, hyperbaric oxygen, um, just like, like a cold plunge sauna, all this sort of stuff. And she would she was the sort of person who liked to track things. And so 
she would keep track of, you know, removing the amount of free-floating cancer cells in her body. And she was saying that, like, well, each, you know, all these things, they work, they would remove them, but then they would come back. And then she did ketamine, and that was the end. And then they just all went away. And help me to understand what's going on there. That's fascinating. The long and short of that is I don't know, but it's amazing. And I think this is, that is such a good question to pose because I think it really highlights how much we don't know while also knowing so much and also tapping into, I mean, I think we have an iceberg here. I mean, and we are only seeing the tip of what these things are and what these medications are doing or psychedelics are doing. We don't, we don't truly know. How is it that we can take cancer cells out? I mean, is this, I mean, I can hypothesize all sorts of different things, you know, is she, is her cortisol level going down and the anxiety and her parasympathetic and sympathetic system rebalancing? And, or is this working at a cellular, like obviously at a cellular level, there's something going on that is allowing a, a homeostasis to occur back again. How and why? We don't know. But these are the things that I get so ecstatic about and so excited about because we need to know. And it is such a cool field of medicine. Um, and I'm happy to see that the medical world is slowly starting to open their own minds to, to consider this. Cause you know, I've said all these wonderful things, but realize that this doesn't work for everyone. Um, and it, it doesn't heal all cancer, but no. for some people mm. it helps or it does something that we don't understand yet. So there's a, an, another one, um, people taking psychedelics um, for severe menopause symptoms. Interesting. Also, I have not had any of my patients have that, but again, I can only hypothesize. I mean, think about it. cortisol is a hormone, right? Mm -hmm. If cortisol is a hormone and we can alter based on our mind, the stress responses, and we can change that well, heck man, like what else can we change? Let alone menopausal symptoms, cancer symptoms, sympathetics, parasympathetics. Let's talk about autoimmunity. Like who knows? Like there's so many open aspects of this. I mean, I can't wait till medicine, the world of medicine gets the, their hands on the genetic components and the, the blood of these patients, if they would ever allow so that we can understand that and just unlock, unlock more. I'm not surprised though, if that makes any sense, like <laughs> the things I've seen, I'm like, not even surprised, but I'm just giddy about it. <laughs> the mind is a very powerful thing. Um, and, uh, yes. it's, um, I'm not sure that I, I, this to me sort of falls into the realm of um, uh, acceptance, not understanding. Like, okay, <laughs> seems like this works. We don't quite know why, but all right. Exactly. But that's kind of anesthesia and medicine in a nutshell too. Like I have people tell me all the time, like, well, how does that work? And I can go into all of the pathophysiology of let's say opioids and all of this, but at the end of the day, what's pain? It's some neuronal signal that gets sent up your brain spinal cord, but then why do some people feel it and some people don't? 
Now, why do some medications work and some don't? We really, we know so much and yet so little, but we have some understanding that we try to use so that we can best understand it. It makes me think of when I um, first was in medical school, I remember one of our first lectures, they tell us, so we're going to talk to you about how everything works. And then you're going to realize as you get out there, everything we told you was a lie. And I laughed. I was like, what do you mean? How is that true? And then afterwards, I really realized how true that is in the sense of that gives you a framework to understand what we have. But at the end of the day, what is it that we really know? And so to keep our minds open, that different types of medications or plant medicines could possibly um, open up the realm of treating other things is only would be logical. So if someone who's listening um, is symptomatic or knows someone who's symptomatic, um, PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thinking, and they wanted to find, uh, they wanted to explore ketamine as a possible solution, what, what would you say to them? I would say first, research your local ketamine clinics around. I mean, it's as simple as saying, hey, Google, ketamine clinic. Be careful though. So take that with a, a grain of salt um, in the sense of call and make sure that they're a good clinic. Um, if you have a therapist, I would say always number one, get, get involved with your therapist, find a good therapist. They're worth their weight in gold. Um, and once you do, they often will be a good resource as more and more understanding ketamine and ketamine assisted psychotherapy that we will work with our therapists too, to help kind of navigate that. Now, if you don't have that, find a therapist. And if you do have that and they don't know anybody, start doing your research. So in your area, one of the best things is call up and say, what are your protocols? Do you sit with your patients or do you give the medication and the walkout? Do you give everybody the same amount or do you tailor it based on who they are? So, you know, really don't be afraid to ask those questions and take your own healthcare into your, to your own hand. And then three, I would say, don't forget all of the other things that go along with anxiety, depression, and trauma. Things like getting your sleep, mm. eating yeah. well, right. putting good food in your body, drinking, hydrating, having a support system, making sure all of the other things, your thyroid, your mental health, your heart, your gut, all of those things are also taken care of. You know, those are things that I go through with all my patients as we even talk about that consultation. Most patients, places, excuse me, do a consultation, do that consultation, you know, make sure they're a good fit for you. Um, obviously if anybody's in the Utah area, give us a call. You can just do the, theketamineclinic.com or stgeorgeketamine.com. Um, but really educate yourself and knowing, knowing what it is. Um, there's a lot more books out there too, that, that talk about that as well. Um, and then talk to your, your, your providers about it. I think you'll get some providers. I think, um, perhaps some of the younger generations are more open to this and don't be alarmed if some are not, um, I don't know about you. I grew up in the D.A.R.E. program era. like <laughs> Nancy Reagan. Oh, yes. You say drug, I say no. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but, you know, food is a drug too. 
Sugar is a drug too. Caffeine is a drug too. Let's start to look things with, with what they really are and be really accept for what they are so that we can, we can begin to heal. They're just molecules. They are. <laughs> <laughs> They're just different molecules. It's all right. Uh, yes, I, yes. I, I guess I, I do need to ask you, um, you know, have you seen bad things happen to people on ketamine? Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, it is not without its risks as well. So, you know, some people, um, if they don't disclose that they have had a psychotic break or schizophrenia or stuff like that, you can create a psychotic break or a schizophrenic episode. So, you know, yeah, you want to be really careful. Um, you, we monitor the blood pressure. Sometimes I get blood pressures that start getting so high, like two hundreds over a hundred. I have to treat that. You worry about, oh my gosh, they're going to stroke. Are they going to do this or that? So those, I, I have to treat that. So nothing is without that risks. Um, and then you, then you go into, okay, what about even the emotional portion of that? Mm. Will you take somebody through this really intense experience? Um, I personally have not had patients that have gone through that, but I have taken care of patients who have not been sat with that. Then I am, I'm, I am doing ketamine infusions for the really bad ketamine infusion (laughs) that somebody else gave them. So yeah, it's really important, important to have, um, a real good, you know, we call them a trip sitter, a guide, you know, like that's there (laughs) with you. So yeah. It's a great question. I think you should like make t-shirts for your staff that say tripsitter. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's a wonderful idea. <laughs> and some like tie-dye right. psychedelic. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> our patients, I have to admit, we will have some beautiful like mandala like art on our walls. And our patients who are tripping love those mandalas. So I think you may be onto something. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> Trip art. Um, yes. Super. Um, this is just, this has been a pleasure. Um, I, you know, in, I, I don't know exactly the age of people who listen to this, but my guess is they're sort of my age. And on the one hand, I find people our age have, you know, we have like the whole dare thing. Um, but on the, the other hand, like we don't really care anymore. It's like, we, we sort of know all that stuff is like crap and, and, um, uh, and people seem to be much more open-minded about, mm-hmm. um, you know, you saw it originally like with cannabis and then you see like a, a good friend of mine who's like a very, you know, sort of upstanding citizen. She was telling me about doing MDMA with her daughter mm. and I just, I was like, you're 70. She's like, she's like, yeah, it was awesome. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yes, it's so true. I, I, I love them. Um, my, I've had, and they're self-professed hippies, you know, that'll come into my clinic and they're like, honey, I'm a hippie, like the original <laughs> hippie. <laughs> and oh my gosh, they are the most fun because they sit back and the ability to just let go, like you said, because they're like, I don't care. Like, yeah. let's do this. Let's explore. You know, there's this word called psychonaut. 
psychedelic, like astronauts. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so I call them my psychonauts, you know. They're like our psychedelic astronauts, and they're so fun. They're so fun, (laughs) you know. And they're like, don't worry, honey, if I trip that, I've been through that. I've done acid. I've done all sorts of things. So I'm like, okay, well, let's not do that today, please. Um, and just a last thing, if if um, someone goes and they, you know, they do tank and ketamine and an hour later, can are they like in condition to drive? Do they need somebody to take them home? Like what's their state of mind? Great question. Yes. Nobody can drive afterwards. I say this is okay. like if you were to get surgery, right. no driving for 24 hours. You have right. to bring a driver. Right. You are not allowed. I always have people fast beforehand because it can make some people nauseated. Right. So you fast beforehand um, and nobody can drive afterwards. And then after you're done with your treatment, I have you hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Mm. And if you are going to eat something, I am a big proponent of you better put good food in your body. Like there's right. no McDonald's or, you know, fast food that's going to be happening. Um, I want some good nutrition to feed your body, you know? Right. So yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Don't drive. Don't drive. No. Don't drive. <laughs> um, Rachel, this has been delightful. I, I think um, people are going to be fascinated by this. I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> about it. I, um, I like you, I, I have no idea what to make of all this, but um uh, just like accept, Hey, this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. This has been so Absolutely. fun and it's such a passion. You know what I mean? It's so fun to talk about it and it's so fun to talk to you about it. Who's like so curious. It makes, you know, <laughs> makes it so fun. So thank you. <laughs> Life should be fun. <laughs> it should be. Absolutely. <laughs> um, thank you. Maybe we'll come and visit you in St. George someday. Anytime. We would love to have you. <laughs> Super. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the show today. It is great to have you with us. So that call-in number that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'll repeat that. It's 801-871-5291. If you want to you know, talk to us, tell us your story, have questions for any of the sort of people that we've had on the show over the last year and a half, um, give us a call. Love to hear from you, and we'll play it on the show. Um, please also leave us a comment. We love comments on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Leave us a rating. We love that. And as a reminder, we do have an amazing newsletter that comes out every Thursday. You go to the front of the Aegis website, sign up there. Next week, we're going to have something really interesting. We're going to have Bradley Sherman on the show. And Bradley recently wrote a book called The Super Age about the demographic destiny, really, of people our age and how it's influencing the world. The conversation is going to be around the metaverse. And the metaverse is not only for like teenagers and gaming. It's going to change a lot of things. It's going to change how we work. It's going to change the people we work with, how we deliver healthcare, how we engage as communities. Super interesting, really big brain thinker, and strongly encourage you to catch that. Everyone have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Take care.